Section 20 of The Wallet of Kai Lung by Ernest Brahma. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3 The Probation of Sen Heng, Part 3. The discreet and sagacious will already have understood the nature of King Yi Yang's intolerable artifice. But for the benefit of the amiable and unsuspecting, it is necessary to make it clear that the words which he had spoken bore no sort of resemblance to affairs as they really existed. The district around Yun was indeed involved in a most unprepossessing destitution, but this had been caused not by the absence of any rare and auspicious insect, but by the presence of vast hordes of locusts, which had overwhelmed and devoured the entire face of the country. It so chanced that among the recently constructed devices at the pure gilt dragon of exceptional symmetry were a number of elegant representations of rice fields and fruit gardens so skillfully fashioned that they deceived even the creatures and attracted among other living things all the locusts and hangkow into that place of commerce it was a number of these insects that king Yi yang vindictively placed in the box which he had instructed sin to carry to yun well knowing that the reception which would be accorded to anyone who appeared there on such a mission would be of so fatally destructive a kind that the consideration of his return need not engage a single conjecture entirely tranquil in intellect for the possibility of king Yi yang's intention being in any other way than what he had represented it to be did not arise within sin's ingenious mind the person in question cheerfully set forth on his long but unavoidable march toward the region of yun as he journeyed along the way the nature of his meditation brought up before him the events which had taken place since his arrival at hankow and for the first time it was brought within his understanding that the story of the youth and the three tigers which his father had related to him was in the likeness of a proverb by which counsel and warning is conveyed in a graceful and inoffensive manner readily applying the fable to his own condition he could not doubt but that the first two animals to be overthrown were represented by the two undertakings which he had already conscientiously performed in the manner of the mechanical ducks and the inlaid boxes and the conviction that he was even then engaged on the third and last trial filled him with an intelligent gladness so unobtrusive and refined that he could express his entrancing emotions in no other way than by lifting up his voice and uttering the far-reaching cries which he had used on the first of the occasions just referred to in this manner the first part of the journey passed away with engaging celerity anxious as sin undoubtedly was to complete the third task and approach the details which in his own case would correspond with the command of the bowman and the marriage with the mandarin's daughter of the person in the story the noontide heat compelled him to rest in the shade by the wayside for a lengthy period each day during one of these pauses it occurred to his versatile mind that the time which was otherwise uselessly expended might be well disposed of in endeavoring to increase the value and condition of the creatures under his care by instructing them in the performance of some simple accomplishments such as might not be too laborious for their feeble and immature understanding in this he was more successful than he had imagined could possibly be the case for the discriminating insects from the first had every appearance of recognizing that sin was inspired by a sincere regard for their ultimate benefit and was not merely using them for his own advancement so assiduously did they devote themselves to their allotted tasks that in a very short space of time there was no detail in connection with their own simple domestic arrangements 
that was not understood and daily carried out by an appointed band. Entranced of this intelligent manner of conducting themselves, Sin industriously applied his time to the more congenial task of instructing them in the refined arts, and presently he had the enchanting satisfaction of witnessing a number of the most cultivated faultlessly and unhesitatingly perform a portion of the well-known gravity-removing play entitled The Benevolent Omen of White Dragon Tea Garden, or Three Times a Mandarin. Not even content with this elevating display, Sin ingeniously contrived from various objects which he discovered at different points by the wayside, an effective and lifelike representation of a war junk, for which he trained a crew who, at an agreed signal, would take up their appointed places and go through the required movements both of sailing and of discharging the guns in a reliable and efficient manner. As Sin was one day educating the least competent of the insects in the simpler parts of banner carriers, gong beaters, and the like, to their more graceful and versatile companions, he lifted up his eyes and beheld, standing by his side, a person of very elaborately embroidered apparel and commanding personality, who had all the appearance of one who had been observing his movements for some space of time. Calling up within his remembrance the warning which he had received from Ken Yi Yang, Sin was preparing to restore the creatures to their closed box, when the stranger, in a loud and dignified voice, commanded him to refrain, adding, There is, resting at a spot within the immediate neighborhood, a person of illustrious name and ancestry, who would doubtless be gratified to witness the diverting actions of which this one has recently been a spectator. As the reward of a tale cannot be unwelcome to a person of your inferior appearance and unpresentable garments, take up your box without delay, and follow the one who is now before you. With these words the richly clad stranger led the way through a narrow woodland path, closely followed by Sin, to whom the attraction of the promised reward, a larger sum indeed than he had ever possessed, was sufficiently alluring to make him determine that the other should not, for the briefest possible moment, pass beyond his sight. Not to withhold that which Sin was entirely ignorant of until a later period, it is now revealed that the person in question was the official provider of diversions and pleasurable occupations to the sacred and illimitable emperor, who was then engaged in making an unusually extensive march through the eight provinces surrounding his capital for the acute and well-educated will not need to be reminded that Nanking occupied that position at the time now engaged with. Until his providential discovery of sin, the distinguished provider had been immersed in a most unenviable condition of despair, for his enlightened but exceedingly perverse-minded master had of late declined to be in any way amused or even interested by the simple and unpretentious entertainment which could be obtained in so inaccessible a region the well-intentioned efforts of the followers of the court, who engagingly endeavored to divert the imperial mind by performing certain feats which they remembered to have witnessed on previous occasions, but which, until the necessity arose, they had never essayed, were entirely without result of a beneficial order. Even the accomplished provider's one attainment, that of striking together both the hands and the feet thrice simultaneously while leaping into the air, and at the same time, producing a sound not unlike that emitted by a large and vigorous bee when held captive in the fold of a robe, an action which had never failed to throw the illustrious emperor into a most uncontrolled state of amusement when performed within the imperial palace, now only drew from him the unsympathetic 
if not actually offensive remark, that the attitude and the noise bore a marked resemblance to those produced by a person when being bowstrung, adding with unprepossessing significance that of the two entertainments he had an unevadable conviction that the bowstringing would be the more acceptable and gravity-removing. When Sin beheld the size and the silk-hung magnificence of the camp into which his guide led him, he was filled with astonishment, and at the same time recognized that he had acted in an injudicious and hasty manner by so readily accepting the offer of a tale, whereas if he had been in possession of the true facts of the case, as they now appeared, he would certainly have endeavored to obtain double that amount before consenting. As he was hesitating within himself whether the matter might not even yet be arranged in a more advantageous manner, he was suddenly led forward into the most striking and ornamental of the tents, and commanded to engage the attention of the one in whose presence he found himself without delay. From the first moment when the inimitable creatures began, at Sin's spoken word, to go through the ordinary details of their domestic affairs, there was no sort of doubt as to the nature of the success with which their well-trained exertions would be received. The dark shadows instantly forsook the enraptured emperor's select brow, and from time to time he expressed himself in words of most unrestrained and intimate encouragement. So exuberant became the overjoyed provider's emotion at having at length succeeded in obtaining the services of one who was able to recall his imperial master's unclouded countenance, that he came forward in a most unpresentable state of haste, and rose into the air uncommanded, for the display of his usually not unwelcome acquirement. This he would doubtless have executed competently, had not Sin, who stood immediately behind him, suddenly and unexpectedly raised his voice in a very vigorous and proficient duck-cry, thereby causing the one before him to endeavor to turn around in alarm while yet in the air, an intermingled state of movements of both the body and the mind that caused him to abandon his original intention in a manner which removed the gravity of the emperor to an even more pronounced degree than had been affected by the diverting attitudes of the insects. When the gratified emperor had beheld every portion of the tasks which sin had instilled into the minds of the insects, down even to the minutest detail, he called the well-satisfied provider before him, and addressing him in a voice which might be designed to betray either sternness or an amiable indulgence, said, You, O Shanse, are reported to be a person of no particular intellect, or discernment, and for this reason these ones who are speaking have a desire to know how the matter will present itself in your eyes. Which is the more commendable and honorable for a person to train to a condition of unfailing excellence, human beings of confessed intelligence, or insects of a low and degraded standard? To this remark the discriminating Chance made no reply, being indeed undecided in his mind whether such a course was expected of him. On several previous occasions, the somewhat introspective emperor had addressed himself to persons in what they judged to be the form of a question, as one might say, how blue is the unapproachable air canopy, and how delicately imagined the color of the clouds. Yet when they had expressed their deliberate opinion on the subject referred to, stating the exact degree of blueness and the like, the nature of their reception ever afterwards was such that, for the future, persons endeavor to determine exactly the intention of the emperor's mind, before declaring themselves in words. Being exceedingly doubtful on this occasion, therefore, the very cautious Shansi adopted the more prudent and uncompromising attitude, and, smiling acquiescently, he raised both his hands with a self-deprecatory movement. 
Alas! exclaimed the emperor, in a tone which plainly indicated that the evasive Shansay had adopted a course which did not commend itself. How unendurable a condition of affairs it is for a person of acute mental perception to be annoyed by the inopportune behavior of one who is only fit to mix on terms of equality with beggars and low-caste street cleaners. Such condition of affairs is indeed most offensively unbearable, illustrious being, remarked Shansay, who clearly perceived that his former silence had not been productive of a delicate state of feeling towards himself. It has frequently been said, continued the courteous and pure-minded emperor, only signifying his refined displeasure at Shansay's really inconsidered observation, by so arranging his position that the person in question no longer enjoyed the sublime distinction of gazing upon his benevolent face, that titles and offices have been accorded from time to time without any regard for the fitting qualifications of those to whom they were presented. The truth that such a state of things does occasionally exist has been brought before our eyes during the past few days by the abandoned and inefficient behavior of one who will henceforth be a marked official, yet it has always been our endeavor to reward expert and unassuming merit wherever it is discovered. As we were setting forth, when we were interrupted in a most obstinate and superfluous manner, the one who can guide and cultivate the minds of unthinking and not infrequently obstinate and rapacious insects would certainly enjoy an even greater measure of success if entrusted with the discriminating intellects of human beings. For this reason, it appears that no more fitting person could be found to occupy the important and well-rewarded position of chief arranger of the competitive examinations than the one before us, provided his opinions and manner of expressing himself are such as commend themselves to us. To satisfy us on this point, let Sen Heng now stand forth and declare his beliefs. On this invitation, Sen advanced a requisite number of paces, and not in any degree understanding what was required of him, determined that the occasion was one when he might fittingly declare the five general principles which were ever present in his mind. Unquestioning fidelity to the sacred emperor, he began when the person in question signified that the trial was over. After so competent and inspired an expression as that which has just been uttered, which, if rightly considered, includes all lesser things, it is unnecessary to say more, he declared affably. The appointment which has already been specified is now declared to be legally conferred. The evening will be devoted to a repetition of the entrancing maneuvers performed by the insects, to be followed by a feast and music in honor of the recognized worth and position of the accomplished Sen Heng. There is really no necessity for the apparently over-fatigued Shansei to attend the festival. In such a manner was the foundation of Sin's ultimate prosperity established, by which he came in the process of time to occupy a very high place in public esteem. Yet, being a person of honorably-minded conscientiousness, he did not hesitate, when questioned by those who made pilgrimages to him, for the purpose of learning by what means he had risen to so remunerative a position, to ascribe his success not entirely to his own intelligent perception of persons and events, but in part also to a never-failing regard for the dictates of the five general principles, and the discriminating of subservience to the inspired wisdom of the venerable Pu Chao, as conveyed to him in the story of the faint-hearted youth and the three tigers. This story, Sin, furthermore, caused to be inscribed in letters of gold, 
and displayed in a prominent position in his native village, where it has since doubtless been the means of instructing and advancing countless observant ones who have not been too insufferable to be guided by the experience of those who have gone before. End of section 20